on a Saturday evening, and I'm not Stacy McCain. I'm the other guy on the other podcast. Hi, folks. It's John Hogue. Today, originating from Studio B at Stately Hogue Manor because I tested positive for COVID, and I decided not to uh, share with Stacy's family. We usually operate out of uh, his house on Saturday, but Stacy is with us. Hi. How you doing there, young man? I'm doing pretty good. Very cold outside tonight. Whip. And so, uh, yeah, I just came back inside and it's uh, it's chilly out there. I've got a little bit of a runny nose, but I think it's just a runny nose. I don't think uh, I've uh, uh, I, I've contracted the Chinese virus. Well, you know, I, 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 you oh, need boy. to do something about uh, uh Listening on headphones, Stacy, because I'm uh, echoing in behind on you that way. Okay, all right. I will. I will get my uh, earbuds ready and see how that works. Okay. Okay. Meanwhile, how are you doing, Diana? I can see. I'm you. great. I'm absolutely great. Uh, it was a gorgeous day. The rain is. The rain waited for me to get my day finished before it started. Mm. <laughs> so I'm really. I. I'm. I'm happy. Yes, well, the, uh, tomorrow in the afternoon, uh, oh. it's supposed to start snowing here, and we're supposed to have so unknown quantity. People are panicking. Uh, I have no oh. idea. It snows here all the time in the winter, but, you know, what do I know? Bread and milk. Bread yes. and milk. There will be no bread and no milk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have plenty anyway. But uh, in any case... Um, this I should point out as part of our usual intro that Stacy blogs at theothermccain.com, and that's his and my, cue to, to tell people where I blog. And my good uh, good friend John Hogue blogs at hogwash.com. Yep, and uh, Diana is my blogs signal in, good. Is yes, my you're, signal good. You're you're okay. you're pretty good. You're a little okay. yeah. I I'm gonna. If, if I had a tone control for you, I would have boosted your highs just slightly, but you sounded just fine. All By the right. way, Diana blogs, but only occasionally. Yeah, but um, I'll be doing a little more. Um, sorry, last year was just too weird. Anyway, a little more blogging will be happening. There's Nonprofit World is actually doing some interesting stuff. I, it's probably not of general interest, but it's some interesting stuff's happening. Yes, and I can recommend uh, Dinah's work with nonprofits and evaluating them and that sort of stuff. She's oh yeah, <laughs> she has actually done some work that's helped me uh, with my uh, uh, 
financial planning, being mm-hmm. elderly, uh, mm-hmm. and, and where the various uh, things might go instead of to the IRS. In any oh, case, yeah. well, uh, uh, speaking of uh, speaking of how cold it is on Saturday night tonight in Buffalo. Uh, the Patriots will play a wild card game against the Bills, and I have dubbed this the Froze Bowl because it's supposed to be near zero degrees at game time. Well, at Orchard Park. Well, some mm-hmm. of us, some of us who have watched games, although I've never sat through them uh, at Green Bay, I've, you know, <laughs> never mind. Uh, speaking of football, Stacy, uh, it says here in the script we're supposed to let you rant for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, hoping that Matt can win this game and erase the memory of what happened on Monday. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to talk about Monday. Uh, it's in the past, and we're moving forward. Uh, and I just want to say, roll tide. That's all I've got to say about football tonight. But by the way, right now the Bengals are leading the Raiders in the uh, third quarter, um, uh, twenty-three to thirteen. But the Raiders uh, now have the ball at the uh, Cincinnati. Uh, 16 yard line and it looks like they're about to kick a field goal so so uh, that will tighten up the game a little bit but yes they're in the oh I'm they just started the fourth quarter mm. so, uh, and that's at Cincinnati so uh, that's your football update and we're not going to say anything more uh, about what happened on Monday no we're, we're going to talk may about I say something may oh, I say very briefly Um, A meme I have seen uh, that I've been enjoying is, uh, hey, Aflac, can you do anything about a dog attack? (laughs) Oh, 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 okay. Okay. Uh, uh, Georgian come lately. (laughs) But speaking of California, you know. Well, speaking of but, but speaking of other failures, including one lo- that is located in Georgia. Oh God, yes. <laughs> uh, you're, you're talking about. You must be talking about Slow Joe. Well, no, we were talking about CNN disgraced a national punchline. Oh, oh yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yes, indeed. I'm sorry. I look I, at your I, script, I, Stacey. Okay, I hang on a second. I don't have the script in front of me at this very moment, but uh, uh, CNN, uh, uh-huh. there's an item today uh, that CNN has lost 90% of its audience since Donald Trump left the White House. And this is basically because uh, the CNN president, Jeff Zucker, had decided mm-hmm. to go all in on anti-Trump programming, and John Nolte of Breitbart says CNN is a left-wing talk radio with pictures, and <laughs> CNN is failing at that because MSNBC does it a whole lot better with superior production and appealing anchors. Well, CNN, yeah, I mean, but both, uh, of, both of them are essentially Air America with video. Yeah. Well, yeah. wait, wait a sec. Uh, what's appealing about MSNBC's uh, um Anchors, healing anchors. They have a they have a few that will pass on rule five. 
<laughs> that wasn't my point. They're all crazy. I mean, you know, the I I believe I'm a believer. I under I understand the hot crazy matrix. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the best youtubes ever made it is way. very good the hot crazy matrix explains a lot about um about the dating scene yes yeah yeah well you know the the thing is um and brian stelter uh, is a potato well, look, yeah, folks, yeah. folks you got to remember, I met my wife uh, while we were both working in the music business. So if you want to talk about hot crazy and uh, <laughs> some of the, uh, some of the uh, uh, people I did date, never mind. <laughs> Don't okay, talk but, about it. You might start, you might, there, there, there could be danger in this. It, it was so wonderful finding someone who was hot and sane. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, well, yeah, but she return, wasn't a performer. <laughs> anyway. To, re to return to the present tense, John Nolte of Breitbart says, CNN Jeff Zucker sold the soul of the 40-year-old CNN brand to enjoy a few good rating months during the Trump years, and it worked, but only for a few months. Now CNN is disgraced a national punchline and other than pointing and laughing no one pays attention to it anymore i point out mm -hmm. that back in october okay <laughs> the ratings got so low that brian <laughs> stelter's uh program reliable sources on sunday uh attracted only eighty-five thousand viewers in the key uh 25 to 54 uh, demo, as they call it, uh, which is lower than reruns of Friends, reruns of Golden Girls, reruns of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and the cartoon programs on Nickelodeon, Paw Patrol, and SpongeBob <laughs> SquarePants. So, uh, but, but there are seriously, there are guys on YouTube, okay, who just talk to a webcam and get higher ratings than Brian Stelter. Mm -hmm. so, 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 you know, we can, uh, as John Nolte says, all we can do is point and laugh. Or if you want to go to Spotify, there's Joe Rogan. Uh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Joe Rogan is huge, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, there it is. But speaking of uh, YouTube, they've demonetized uh, and uh, suspended uh, Dan Bargino. Yep. Yeah, for saying negative things. Yes. No, for talking well, about COVID. Yes. Well, but he wasn't. He was saying negative things about the narrative. So. Well, yeah, and um, the weird thing is, is that in any sane world, um, you would have his. They'd be talking about what he said, not trying to eliminate him, well, because yeah. what he said is quite interesting. Yeah, that's true, and and it the it would be the problem is is that they can't they know they can't win an argument, mm -hmm. and so uh, it's sh shut up because and and yeah, talking shut about, up they explained, but the <laughs> the the whole thing but the whole thing about uh, uh, the uh, the woo flu panic it mm -hmm. is it, 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 we're headed uh, into the end of that, and you're, you're going to see as we go through various things mm -hmm. this evening how that's happening. For example, mandates. Um, I, I did a Are You Pondering What I'm Pondering uh, 
I guess, yesterday. I think so, Brain, it looks like the human trials will never get finished. Uh Uh, Because it turns out the uh, Supremes uh, have said, uh, oh, no, the OSHA mandate isn't going to work. And it Uh was interesting watching the the panic uh, over at Hot Air. Ed Morrissey Uh had a thing about uh, the New Republic being shocked, absolutely shocked, that the executive branch can't write laws and that the Supreme yeah. Court would say, well, it, it, you can have a law if you want it, but the Congress needs to pass it. You know, yep. it's it's just absolutely insane to see some of the, the reactions <laughs> that are, are going on. But well, they're acting as if um, as if the court saying, uh, you know, hey, uh, guys, there's no statutory authority here. You can't expand powers just because you feel like it that's not how it works um is somehow an example of right-wing zealotry i i I sat there with my and just kind of the first time i read some some of these tweets i kind of was doing that thing where you kind of press your temples and say okay this this is clearly a hallucination let's look at that again (laughs) But, but what's weird here is that is that uh, the the new republic just wants to have uh, fiat power uh, for uh. the executive branch, but yet <coughs> for four years we were told that Trump was an authoritarian. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, there's there's nothing like uh, projection, is there? No, I guess not. Well, but it all depends on whose authority, uh, you know, is is out there. And but and this is this is you see this with the run up to the midterm elections. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, John Gabriel uh, had a tweet up uh, where he said the midterms <laughs> are coming, and he was uh, quote tweeting a a fellow who had uh, pointed out that the government beginning on February second will be ending. Uh, the requirement that hospitals report uh, their daily deaths from COVID. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> because you know it, the pandemic has outlived its usefulness. It's time to move on. Yeah, I like your press, hmm? What I, you have a commenter who said uh, your commenter Robin uh, Munn mm-hmm. remarked. I think this analysis is backwards. My opinion is that now that Omicron is outcompeting all the other variants, the death counts are plummeting towards zero. And if hospitals continue to report zero deaths for too long, the pandemic panic will evaporate. So they need to continue to report case counts and leave the death counts as a mystery in order well, to keep people panicked. To the extent that they can, but a lot of people are seeing uh, that they're, you know, everybody in their family gets COVID, everybody uh, 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 tests positive for it, and mm-hmm. uh, and no one is suffering anything worse than a mild flu. Speaking of which, John, yes. you're fully vaccinated and boosted and you tested positive. How are you feeling? Uh, well, I well, I, I had just recovered from a case of the real flu, and uh-huh. uh, I am absolutely asymptomatic. Uh, you know, I wondered if that wasn't the case. You sound fine. Yeah. Maybe a little chesty, but nothing major. Well, it could be the fact that I'm using a different microphone. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, 
we use we actually use cheaper microphones than you have uh, normally. Mm-hmm. I'm using a, the same mic you do th- tonight because Ooh. here it's Studio B. I'm you know set up uh, just just having to be what's is this? here. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stacey, well, speaking of Plan B, mm-hmm. yes. Yes. Plan yes, B. Okay. But yes, the uh, but something else is that the Associated Press has decided that they're not go- that, that they're going to defocus um, uh, case counts, right? Okay, mm-hmm. and and instead they're going to focus on, on on deaths because you know is that the case counts make it look worse than it is. Yeah, well, not apparently only... everybody's getting Omicron. Well, see, mm-hmm. the th- yeah, but the thing is, is the death rates are pretty consistent across the country, as in vanishing <laughs> and small. So uh, now mm-hmm. New York doesn't look as bad, uh, uh, so bad compared to other states. Uh, hey. you know, it, it has to do with uh, uh, trying to craft the narrative in some way that supports their uh, what they're yes. trying to sell. Well, I've been hearing jo- uh, people joke uh, that, uh, you know, how do I get this Omicron variant? <laughs> well, actually, I was I was hoping that I, when I came down with something, you know, and, and I was taking a COVID test, I'm saying, well, man, let's got let's I hope I test positive. And nope, you know, nope. I thought, you know, because, you know, that would that that's the trifecta of fully vaccinated, boosted, and natural immunity. Well, I guess I can still claim natural immunity now with the positive test, but still, um, you know, it's it's just absolutely silly. So you are not you are not subject to the mythical fluorona. Mm. Well, apparently I uh, or if I got it it you know, the other thing is is that about 30% of all uh, various kinds of bad colds and flus are caused by viruses in the coronavirus family and there's some yeah. indication that occasionally getting a a cold winds up providing uh, enough protection so mm. who knows um no idea you know uh anyway apparently so far i've outlived it meanwhile can we come back to georgia because there's something really really interesting that stacy wrote <laughs> Well, I was going to say, meanwhile, speaking of uh, the dead, speaking of the dead and mm-hmm. slander and uh, our and El Presidente. Yes, uh, we have Joe Biden slandering the dead and his. Uh, he went down to Georgia uh, like the devil. Yeah, I was just going to say, did devil. he bring, did he bring his fiddle? Uh, yeah, uh, anyway, and the band demons. Uh, he has apparently decided that that campaigning against Donald Trump, uh, which is the only reason he got elected, uh, uh, it's it's time to stop that. And now he's going to start campaigning against Jefferson Davis. "Quote: I ask every elected official in in America." Do you want to be on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Do you want to be on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis? Now, I happen to note that he he said this right before a new poll came out showing them with the lowest favorable rating of his presidency. Okay, thirty-three percent. So apparently, a lot of people heard that and said, "I don't know, man. This Jefferson Davis, tell me more about him." 
Well, you know, what, what, what's interesting, though, is he, he was asking, do you want to be on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Well, King was a registered Republican, and Wallace was the Democratic governor of Alabama, and Joe's chosen his side. Well, I he voted to the, the fun fact of the day that in the 1968 presidential election, George Wallace got 13% of the vote in Delaware. In Delaware. Well, <laughs> you, 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 you have to understand that Delaware is right next to Cecil County, uh, Maryland, which is still one of the hotbeds of the Klan. Yeah, is well, um, interesting. Wallace got, Wallace hmm? got, okay. Okay. Wallace got 13% of the vote. And if it hadn't been for Wallace, Humphrey would have beaten Nixon in uh, in uh, Delaware, uh, Nixon won it forty-five to forty-two uh, over Humphrey, but it was Wallace who provided the swing vote that uh, really defeated Humphrey. And if mm. folks, if you don't actually know the history of that, mm -hmm. uh, right after the uh, uh, party conventions, uh, you know, the Democrats had their you know nightmare in Chicago with the. Mm. Uh, Daly's cops beating up peace protesters in the streets and uh, and the polls came out and people were just shocked by how well George Wallace was doing in northern states and so the AFL-CIO mounted a campaign uh, to try to stop Wallace because it, it was entirely possible that Wallace could have won that election. Uh, if you looked at it, right, because, you know, Nixon was still very unpopular. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, but, it, but the Democrats had such a debacle at their convention, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, you know, you, you were having all these, you know, protesters on the streets, uh, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the campuses were erupting. Everything was going bad. Mm -hmm. And, and Wallace, uh, uh, was a hell of a populist. And, uh, and so, so the AFL CIO tried, had to kind of like get it. Say, Hey, Hey, don't vote for this guy, please. You know? So, uh, you know, but this is all forgotten how popular Wallace actually was at the time. Well, yes. I, well, um, I grew up in off. Southern California. I, I'm in not in a position to even begin to comment on that. I was like five years old. Um, but what I can tell you is that I do remember the number of ads um, against... <laughs> I, I actually remember the number of ads against George Wallace. I don't actually remember a single ad regarding Humphrey. Yeah, well, uh, Wallace got 7% uh, of the vote, half a million mm -hmm. votes in California in 68. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so, so the idea, like, uh, let me go down through here and I'll tell you uh, that in San Diego County, uh, George Wallace got 33,000 votes. He got 33,000 mm -hmm. votes in Orange County. What um, about in Riverside County? What? Riverside County. In Riverside County, he got 12,000 votes, 8% of the total mm -hmm. in, um, in Riverside County. In, okay. uh, I'm trying to go through some of the counties, but the rural counties... Uh, he was getting over 10%. He got 12% uh, 
of the boat in Amador County. He got, uh-huh. um, I'm going down through here. I'm looking at some of these numbers. And uh, like Glenn County, Imperial County, Calaveras County, all of those, he got more than 10% of the vote. Yeah, San Bernardino County, I believe because uh, actually I'm thinking about Barstow and Victorville. Yep. Yeah. They both well, would have been high. Wallace's vote uh, total was greater than the difference in the totals between Nixon, who carried California, and Humphrey. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you subtract Wallace from the formula, it's entirely possible Humphrey would have won. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you know, but but, but uh, you know, but but people have just forgotten all this, you know, and they uh-huh. they have forgotten. You know, I, I mean, you know, most people never knew. Uh, that Humphrey actually began his career as a progressive. And yeah. it was only after he lost uh, his first uh, attempt to uh, run for governor uh, that he, uh, well, he said something uh, pretty uh, notorious about his future plans, okay, <laughs> that that the other uh, Democrat in the race had won by painting uh, Wallace as soft on segregation, so he determined that he would not be lose again. And uh, I, I won't say what he said, but uh, it was pretty strong words. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, all, all I can tell you about the sixty-eight. Well, I can tell you a lot about the sixty-eight election, but I'm going to summarize it as, summarize it, as it was on. The first uh, part of November in 1968, and I became 21 years old and old enough to vote on the last day of 1968. So you can't blame it on me. <laughs> okay. All okay. Right. Well, well, yeah, yeah. You, you, but you were old enough to go to Vietnam. Well, that, that oh, was yeah, yeah. But that was that was. Oh, I was I was 23 or 24. I turned 24 in Vietnam. Um, anyway, uh, Uh, but but anyways, my, my point being that, um, Joe Biden, the whole reason he gave this speech was try to distract people, uh, from the failure of his, uh, policy, especially in COVID. See, he wants to change the subject now that he's, you know, uh, you know, you know, that his numbers are at the bottom and everything. Well, he had a bad week with COVID between the Supreme <laughs> Court and Project Veritas. You know, Project yeah, Veritas. There's more to it than that. I was just astonished by how bad a week he had. <laughs> yeah. But Project Veritas was out reporting that they have DOD documents mm-hmm. uh, which uh, contradict Fauci's sworn testimony to Congress about gain yeah. of function experiments with viruses. Uh, and uh, it's like, uh, hello, testing, you know, uh, basically he's caught flat out lying. And then he had a, a rather, uh, Fauci had a rather rough exchange with uh, <laughs> Rand Paul as well. So it, you know, y- you have uh, Biden's Health and Human Services uh, Department uh, just not doing well in uh, protecting us from this evil virus. But the FDA has tackled a really important issue. They announced in the Federal Register that they intend to no longer regulate the standards for French dressing. <laughs> ah! 
Okay. Well, the whole I'm this, sorry. What? This, 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 this is a twofer for them because <laughs> the reduction in red tape is going to obviously going to speed the restocking of store shelves with this vital condiment, right? <laughs> yeah. French dressing, huh? Yes, French dressing since 1950 has been regulated by the FDA on, on what uh, is a, a, a proper recipe for it. I mean, there's a certain range of variations allowed, but seriously. But isn't it just ketchup, mayonnaise, and... Oh, no, 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 and they specify what emulsifier. It, it, it's a very detailed... Uh, you can look it up in the uh, Code of Federal Regulations about what it what is and isn't French dressing. So, okay, it's not like Thousand Island, which is just basic. Never mind. Don't get me started. Well, no, uh, they used to, they used to regulate that. They used to regulate that in Italian and Russian and a couple what? others as well. But the, the oh, last man. surviving thing that was being regulated was French dressing. Other than there's a general regulation to say salad dressing, you know, contains these things generically. But uh, that, that, that will survive. Uh, 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 you know, and there's a, and there's a, also a, a specification for mayonnaise and other other condiments. It's it's you know they've got to they've got to look after us. Yeah, for our it's for our own good. Yes. Well, and, and speaking but they, uh, of for our own good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I was going to talk about stuff that's free. Oh, we're, uh, yeah. Free. Okay. Yeah, we're going to get free. Air? No, we're going to get. <laughs> We're going to get free tests. President, oh, gosh, that nonsense. There's, ah. a, there's this White House thing here. President Biden doubles COVID-19 at-home test purchases to one billion free tests. One it, it's not free if it's being bought by the government. That's my, money out of my pocket. Well, basically, my blog post about it was tagged with the federal withholding line on my pay stub was unavailable for comment. Yes, 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 indeed. Now, I have a pay stub, uh, but other people do this and uh, are supported by the uh, appreciative of, of uh, appreciative oh. readers. Yes. And so, Stacy, tell the folks about the yellow button. Yes, folks, if you will go to my blog, theothermccain.com, uh, you will notice near the uh, top of the page in the center column, a yellow button with the word donate. If you click the yellow button, it will take you to my PayPal account where you can contribute dollars, pesos, euros, whatever currency you have, uh, it'll take um, to help support the blog, support the podcast, and of course, to make my wife happy because she likes it when I make money. So if you mm -hmm. will... Uh, Click the yellow button to donate to my PayPal account. I would appreciate it very much, as would my wife. And meanwhile, over at my good friend John Hogue's blog, hogwash.com. I don't have a yellow button, but I do have an icon of a tip jar in the sidebar. Click on that. Be taken away to my PayPal account where you can help support Hogwash or this podcast. Either way, we'll take the money, uh, whatever. Uh, also, you can scroll down in the sidebar, find a link to the Hogwash store to do shopping, to buy all sorts of uh, trinkets and junk uh, branded ways related to the <laughs> blog. And you can also use the Amazon shopping links that you'll find both at Hogwash and uh, the other McCain that will um, 
give us a little cut of the action when you use those because we participate in the Amazon Affiliates Program, uh, a good thing that Amazon does to help support bloggers. But regardless of how you choose to support us, we please hope that you will remember the five most important words in the English language. Hit the freaking tip jar. Indeed. But and mean- they're important in context. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, I started out my career in the music industry, and I think if I went back now, I would have trouble recognizing it. Um, It just, this whole council culture would be so anathema to what I dealt with in the the, the 60s, 70s, 80s in the music business that I, I just, I, I, I can't understand how it got its its hooks in, but uh, Stacy, you were writing about Elvis Costello getting it can't basically self canceling. Yes, uh, he has declared that he will no longer perform one of his biggest hits, Oliver's mm-hmm. Army, and has urged radio stations to also stop playing the song because of its use of the N word. The song taken from Costello's album, Armed Forces, was written about the troubles in Northern Ireland, the the Mm -hmm. violence. And uh, I talk a lot about that, but there's a line in there, uh, only takes one itchy trigger, one more a widow, one less white bleep. Okay. And, uh, and (laughs) Costello says is that that's what my grandfather was called in the British Army. It's historically mm-hmm. a fact. And you have to understand that in British usage, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because it was, you know, at the time an almost nearly 100% white country, the word didn't, no. didn't have the racial connotation that it has in America and was... Um, you know, and and so the use of this word was d- did not have the meaning, the connotation uh, that you would think. Uh, and and it, it it's a and, and it's a great song. I mean, it's absolutely at the time it came out. I was working at uh, the college radio station uh, as a DJ, and I grabbed hold of that thing. And I mean, that is just a, a remarkable, remarkable lyric. But you can't, mm-hmm. you just can't say that anymore. And so, no. um, and so uh, it has now been canceled, just like everything else. Well, remember that Costello isn't doing this because he's woke. He's doing this because he's exasperated. He's tired of people bitching, complaining, tearing out their hair and screaming at him for the piece. Um, it's a really clever song. It's a really well-written, well, like a lot of his stuff. It's, um, the lyrics are extremely sophisticated and, um, the rhyme scheme's really good. The whole thing is really well put together and it's annoying to have people acting as if this is some huge issue. And so just enough, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm skipping. Well, what's interesting is that it's basically a left wing song. uh, It is very left wing. Of imperialism. Mm -hmm. 
Oh yeah. The idea that you take your, your working class and uh, send it out to kill the other guy's working class. Yeah. <laughs> Very left wing. The proletariat has no country, remember? Say, well, say what? Oh, don't you remember? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, this is from the start of World War One. Um, the proletariat has no country. This is oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Rosa Luxemburg, uh, Karl Liebknecht, uh, Lenin, a few others. The the rump of the Marxists resisting uh, their their country's rush to war. And they were so saddened by the fact that the socialist parties in, in both France and England and yeah, just, and just rallied German. to the flag. Yeah. Germany, yeah. They all voted war credits. Yes, they did. Yes, 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 yes. But um, anyways, the um, uh, but yes, it, it, and I close it with a quote from the Eyes of Texas, um, which, as you know, is the University of Texas uh, theme song and the state anthem of Texas. Mm -hmm. But it's being canceled because somebody dug up uh, in the past that it somehow started with a minstrel show or something like that. And it's just, it's just sad. Yeah, well, you know, it's, on the other hand, at least some of the music of my youth is going to survive. Uh, and there was that wonderful piece you did uh, about uh, uh, Rick Beato's analysis of mm -hmm. Chicago's uh, Make Me Smile. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it's weird. I have taken to, uh, you know, what I'll do when I want to take a nap, okay, and, and I take naps frequently <laughs> in, my, in my elder years here, but... <laughs> but what if, I'll just take my phone and, and lay down and just watch YouTube videos. Well, thanks to the algorithm, right? The algorithm knows what you want. For. It showed me um, uh, Rick Beato, who is a music producer and an excellent, mm -hmm. excellent guy. Uh, Rick Beato does these things called What Makes, what makes this, song? this Song Great. Yeah, we've been watching them for a few years. Yeah. Yeah, and he uh, did the 1971 Chicago hit, Make Me Smile. And if there are any younger readers out there who've never heard of this song. Uh, you should just, listen. Oh, my God. It, it is so good. And, and the thing about it is, is that um, um, uh, Rick Beato breaks it down track by track. Okay, mm -hmm. so that you can hear every part on it. And it is, it, it just, it, and I had not even, you know, because as I said, we grew up, I grew up uh, in an era uh, where, you know, it was really, we didn't realize it at the time, the golden age of classic rock. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so there was so much good music that, that you might not have noticed. Uh, some things and the parts on uh, make me smile. Uh, the horn part is is like incredibly complex, and the drums uh, that's Danny Seraphine on the drums mm -hmm. uh, is is just astonishing. But most astonishing of all, of course, is the lead vocal by Terry Cat, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know who Terry Kapp is, it's it may be because he died tragically uh, in 1978 uh, by an accidental uh, gunshot. Uh, yeah, but Terry supposedly Kapp, while he was cleaning his gun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy how he died. You know, uh, the story is. In, you know, it's just the saddest thing in the world. But uh, Terry Kapp sang lead on at least half of the uh, early um, uh, Chicago hits, including uh, uh, Color My World uh, and but and also uh, Make Me Smile. And, and the thing is, he had such a soulful voice. He sounded, uh, for all the world, like uh, uh, Ray Charles. <laughs> And so, so how is it that this young white guy from Chicago ended up sounding like Ray Charles? I can't explain it, but uh, <laughs> it's um, but anyways. And so, uh, this came off their second album, and and I tell the story about this is that uh, that Chicago was a very album oriented band. You know, after mm-hmm. Sergeant Peppers, all the rock guys wanted to do albums. They didn't want to do, you know, three minute singles. And, mm-hmm. and what happened was, is that Clive Davis insisted that they get something three minutes long for radio. And if you listen to the two versions, there's a, a I think the version on the album is four minutes and 21 seconds. And mm-hmm. the single version is two minutes and 58 seconds. What they did is they cut short the horn part that's the instrumental part at the intro. And then they mm-hmm. just completely cut out Terry Katz's guitar solo. And by the way, I will say that wasn't a very interesting guitar solo. It just wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but this was a big fight uh, to you know, the band didn't want to do it. Their producer didn't want to do it. But uh, Clive Davis, you know, the man who signs the check, uh, <laughs> said, "No, we're going to get a three-minute single," and so they did. And the rest is history. And, so, but you know, yeah. it, but you know, it's it, it's interesting. Um, we were already beginning to have rock FM stations at that point, and yes. uh, they were. It, it was called album-oriented rock. And it was interesting, even on the album-oriented stations, uh, they wound up playing the uh, single uh, version because it's mm-hmm. w- what people were used to. Um, uh, but, you know, it was it, it, interesting. I, I have a comment down in, in, on your post about working as, as – I was working as a disc jockey at the time mm-hmm. that this was going on. And you have to understand that most stations – uh, run with just like one guy most of the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're running all the equipment, uh, you're spinning the records, you're doing all the announcing, you're answering the phones. And most of the time, the off-the-air monitor signal that you're listening to in the loudspeakers is cranked down just – it's just loud enough that you can hear it to know that the station's on the air, Right. Uh, because you're trying to cue the next record or uh, uh, get something else ready. And the thing is, there were s- after you've listened to the same song in top 40 rotation like a dozen times this week, it's real easy to leave the monitors down. But I can tell you, 
almost every time something from Chicago was played, uh, guys who were, including me, were cranking up the monitors to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, it was that much better than the other stuff we were playing. Oh, it mm-hmm. was, it, it was really quality music. If you if you mm-hmm. uh, the horn parts themselves, I mean, I mean, you just, I mean, uh, Jimi Hendrix uh, when he saw them uh, the group live at um, the Whiskey a Go Go in L.A. Uh, he said, your horn sections blow like one set of lungs, okay? I mean, they were that tight. And people who saw them live uh, just raved at how, I mean, just how how tight they were. It's a very tight band. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. and, the, and, and, you know, and but but the thing is, as I said, by the, by the time I was, you know, like, you know, 15, 16 years old, uh, Chicago had a reputation as a, uh, a you know a uh, soft rock, uh, you know, uh, uh, easy listening, you know, uh, pop group. And uh, but if you go back and and you their early stuff is much more rock uh, than than the later stuff. Well, you can also there, Chicago is also part of uh, what becomes then the fusion between rock and jazz and mm-hmm. and, and you can see them as uh, the predecessors to Weather Report or Chick Korea. Yes, except Chicago was oh so much less effete and annoying. Sorry, opinion. Well, yeah, I, I, but you can see, but you can see that the the way the music is drifting. Oh gosh, yes. With less. Well, than remember my personal. Op- go ahead. I'm sorry. I wanted to interrupt to say that go. with less than two minutes left uh, in Cincinnati, the Raiders are now driving. They trail by a touchdown, and uh, they are just now got to the. Uh, uh, to the Cincinnati thirty-five uh, yard line, and and so so there's now one thirty-nine left in that playoff game. So I'm I'm mm. just updating anyone who who cares about <laughs> football. I, I I don't know why they would be listening to a podcast instead of watching it on TV. But, uh, but well, I, they may I, have I, dialed they may have dialed in later or something. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, oh, what I, I what I hear. The game was on tonight. I, <laughs> anyway, yeah. anyway, anyway, you were saying about uh, uh, bands. Uh, a personal okay um i stopped listening to pop in a, a, what was on the radio as rock um i'm not even quite sure exactly when it was i think around 2011 um there just wasn't anything i i wanted to hear anymore well and- I- I quit listening uh, to that sort of stuff on any kind of regular basis in the mid eighties. Don't blame you because I put, I, there are whole years where I didn't turn on the radio. Um, So there's stuff I missed and people are like, you didn't know about. And I'm like, no, sorry. Anyway. But what I mean is, is that my tastes didn't change so much as what was available for me to listen to did. So I listen a lot more to classical, to bluegrass, um, 
And Rob, my husband, listens to modern jazz, which just makes me tear my hair. I hate it so much. <laughs> well, but you know the the it's defi- musical what, wanking. Stop it. The 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 definite one of the definitions of middle age is when they pl- quit playing good music on the radio. Well, here's the thing. It's like I listen to this modern jazz and the musicianship is is impeccable. It's wonderful. And there's nothing to it. It's empty. It's dead. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how good the musicians are anymore. It's dead. Well, you know, on the same th- by the same token, if you listen to uh, bebop, um you can hear, uh, particularly tr- the trumpet players. I can mm-hmm. uh, listen to a bebop thing and where someone is allegedly improvising, and I can tell mm-hmm. you which which page of the practice book, uh, which page of which practice book that's on. Yeah, yeah, that's a okay. sad thing. <laughs> so, you know, but but being but being a trumpet player, actually, I played everything in a, a band at one time or another, other than uh, that's brass, other than a slide trombone. They play a valve <laughs> trombone. Uh, but I've, but you know, being being a ba- brass player is one of the reasons why I appreciate horn sections like Chicago's. Mm-hmm. And but, it was you know, impressive. The the thing is, is that. Um, you, you were talking about when you stop listening to the radio. I, I think that most people um, uh, lose interest in pop uh, sometime in their mid to late 20s, or certainly by your mm. 30s, okay? In other words, because, you know, you're a grown-up, you're going to work, you're, you know, you're married, you've got kids, you've got a mortgage, whatever it is, you know, it, is that, is that, uh, you know, pop music is very much for the, uh, you know, the careless youth, okay? Mm-hmm. And and I had one friend, uh, Patrick Carter, rest his soul, uh, who would, you know, I would be like, you know, uh, he would come to visit me or whatever in Atlanta, or we would talk, and, and he would like, oh, man, I just went to a concert, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, concerts is what I was doing when I was a teenager. You know, I'm going to the concert, you know, I'm going to get high, man. You know, <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, and, and that's just something that, you know, from your teenage dope years, I don't know, that, that wasn't, wasn't much of a thing after I got grown up. I would go see occasionally, I, my wife and I would go see, I remember we went to Chastain Park in Atlanta, uh, to hear uh, Smokey Robinson, okay? It's because my God, it's Smokey Robinson, right? You know, <laughs> you know, it's like it's the uh, the poet laureate of uh, Motown, you know. So, mm-hmm. so we had to go see Smokey. But uh, okay. yeah, I think it's just a, a a function of age as you get older and take on adult responsibilities. What? You know, you stop listening to it, and after you stop listening for it and tune in for a while, you know, you, you know you, most you, of it is garbage. Yeah. You know? Well, no, no. I, you know, well, stop stopping and thinking about it though. The last time Connie and I went to a concert together that you would think of as some sort of pop pop music concerts as opposed to going to the symphony or or opera or something like that. But the last time we went to that was when. When Connie was pregnant in the summer of 87, and we went to the Pacific 
amphitheater in Orange County and saw Tom Petty and the Drifters opening for uh, Bob uh, the Dylan. The Heartbreakers, I hope. I mean, I'm sorry, the Heartbreakers. The opening for, for uh, uh, Bob Dylan. I mean, we went to see Dylan. So mm-hmm. and, and that's the last, you know, th- that's the last time we uh, we did it. And I would have been just shy of 40, and uh, she would have been, what, 32 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I won't get into what I with the, the goal with an interception at the goal line. The Bengals have just beaten the Raiders, so it's over. Oh well. Okay, so I'm sorry I had to interrupt with the latest yeah. news for you podcast listeners. Well, just for that, then we'll send you off uh, to discuss low-level drug crimes. How's that uh-huh. for? How's that for a, an abrupt transition? Okay, yeah. well. Yes, uh, I'm going back to my own, uh, uh, yes, let me see where I am here. Aha, low-level drug crimes, yes. Uh, (laughs) We're we're moving off into the subject of legal reform now, folks. Okay, hang on a second. Oh, yes, oh oh my goodness. Yes, Uh, there was a... um, I, I, I talked about a case out of Mobile County, Alabama. <clears throat> In September of 2013, the sheriff's deputies there spotted a stolen car parked in front of a home in the rural community of Wilmer, Alabama. Deputies knocked on the door of the house seeking to speak to Kenneth James Colburn, who <laughs> was suspected of stealing the car. Deputies then became aware of, quote, a strong chemical odor in the home and found a methamphetamine lab. Oh, God. So I have the mugshots of these three individuals who were arrested in this uh, uh, 2013 bust uh, for methamphetamine. Well, people want to tell me that these are low-level nonviolent crimes, right? But I know a little bit about crime and criminals and drugs uh, based on my reckless youth. And, <laughs> and I can tell you that, that if you legalized all drugs, right, okay, the criminals would just find new laws to break, okay? That's what mm-hmm. they're about. That's why they're criminals. You, the idea that you're going to solve the problem by legalizing drugs isn't going to fix the problem. And uh, Kenneth James Colburn's criminal career continued, okay, until earlier this year, two people were arrested for the death of a woman in Fairhope, Alabama. Uh, 44-year-old Tammy Wedgworth was originally reported missing uh, on a trip to Mobile. Uh, and it and it turns out, uh, uh, according to police, that she was murdered by Kenneth Colburn. Okay. Yep. Murder is not usually an entry level crime. Okay. No. Usually people have to work their way up to it, and and so so the idea that you can just turn criminals loose because well these are low level nonviolent crimes. That's just uh, that's uh, a fantasy, and we need to live in reality. Well, unfortunately, some of us live very close to Baltimore. Uh, I've got enough sense to stay out of there, but Mm. 
Wait, well, they, uh, we have one of those wonderful Soros-funded uh, DAs in Baltimore, um, and she uh, it basically uh, isn't prosecuting low-level crimes, uh, she says. <laughs> On the other hand, uh, earlier this week, a federal grand jury indicted uh, the Baltimore state's attorney on several fraud charges. Uh, the <laughs> indictment alleges that Marilyn Mosby uh, made a fraudulent COVID hardship withdrawal from her city retirement account, mm. made a fraudulent mortgage application on a vacation home in Florida, and committed perjury in the process. Now, she'd previously uh, attained national notoriety for her malicious prosecution of six police officers in the Freddie mm. Gray case, and oh, for asking God. the FCC to take action against Baltimore Fox TV affiliate WBFF because the station was reporting truthfully about the operation of the state's attorney's office. Now, you got to wonder, though, folks, uh, why the Department of Justice is going after a progressive blue city prosecutor. I mean, right now, I mean, maybe it's the COVID fraud angle and they're trying to uh, show that they're doing something about that because th that's one of the next big stinks coming up. But the other thing is, is that uh, this is uh, someone who's in tight politically with the vice president. So mm -hmm. it's just, there's, ah. there's so many, I wonder what's going on here that I can just say, Hmm, <laughs> you know, and you, you got, you got to wonder the way things are going. I mean, uh, can you who can you trust in the Department of Justice? I mean, you had uh, Ted Cruz uh, interrogating at a Senate hearing a, 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 a assistant attorney general uh, uh. And, and asking, you know, basically, uh, was the FBI involved in January 6th? Did you have any uh, agents or employees or you know, other uh, assets involved. And the answer was, I can't answer that. Which just doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, I didn't know that this, uh, that I didn't know that the uh, fifth amendment applied to uh, government or agencies. It doesn't. Oh, that's right. It doesn't. So there's that. Uh, oh, well, but Miss Mosby, by mm -hmm. the way, yes. Um, it, it, it's very interesting that that she was taking out two mortgages, okay, to buy a home in Kissimmee, Florida, Kissimmee, Florida, and yeah. a and a condominium in Longboat Key, Florida. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, these two mortgages each over four hundred thousand dollars to buy property in Florida. But wait a minute. I, I thought the governor of Florida was Hitler, and that yeah, that I did too. Florida is 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 uh you know like everybody's dying because of COVID. <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, extreme hypocrisy. <laughs> yeah, I love the quote from uh, her attorney. Says, "quote We will fight these charges vigorously, and I remain confident that once all the evidence is presented." that she will prevail against these bogus charges, charges that are rooted in personal, political, and racial animus. Oh, for Five God's months sake. from her election. Ooh. Yeah, well, guys, um, 
I think that probably what she's relying on is the fact that she's she is hoping that the U.S. Attorney's Office is as incompetently run as hers. Mm. Anyway, she's she's a Democrat. She'll get away with it. Mm. Well, she would get away with it if she was in Oregon. Oh, Lord, yes. Um, Right now, near the top of my blog is a post called, I'm sorry, I was eating a chocolate chocolate chip cookie. We kind of figured that out. You were eating something. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry for the crunching sound. Anyway. That's all right. At least I'm not slurping. At least I'm not slurping as I drink my coffee. Okay. Well. The post. Hey, is Xander entitled- isn't isn't batting the mic tonight. So, <laughs> uh, anyways, the post is called "How Do Democrats Get Away with It?" It's about a multimillionaire Oregon real estate developer named Terry Bean, who has mm-hmm. been described as a gay rights pioneer and was a major donor to the Democratic Party. Well. Uh, in 2014, he was arrested of charges of sodomy and sex abuse in a case mm-hmm. involving a 15-year-old boy. And uh, his Bean's quote-unquote former partner was found guilty of third-degree sodomy and third-degree sexual abuse in the case. And, and I run down all the details uh, of this case where they had picked up a boy at a 7-Eleven mm-hmm. uh, that they had met via Grindr, which is the gay oh. dating app. <laughs> For gay and, men, uh, yes. And there, a lot of testimony came out, but it turned out that the, uh, that the, the case was delayed for a long time because the teenager was hiding out in a mountain cabin because <laughs> Bean, that would be Terry Bean, the major Obama donor, by the way, uh, had agreed to pay the teenager a total of two hundred thousand dollars. Two hundred twenty. Yeah, two hundred twenty thousand dollars. Oh, I left that out as a reward for not testifying. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, now uh, the victim in the case has, for a variety of personal reasons, end quote. Uh, decided that he doesn't want to testify uh, against Bean. And I, and I say that, yes, right, a variety of personal reasons that would be money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so rich Democrats can get away with anything in Oregon. So that's, oh, that's yeah. the headline. You, Jeffrey Epstein could have gotten away with it if only he had done it in Oregon. Or if Probably. He, or if he'd done it on the right timing in Virginia. The Washington Examiner has uh, a, had a story up yesterday. Northrum uh, pardons Virginia Senator Joe Morrissey for relationship <laughs> with underage law firm receptionist. Uh-huh. Uh, and so basically on his way out the door, uh, a convicted pedophile gets a gubernatorial pardon, um, and uh, people in Virginia are probably much happier now that they have uh, a a change in state leadership. Well, I will say this for Joe Morrissey: at least he married the girl. Yep. Yep. 
<laughs> so, so you can, you know, it, it, it's sort of like uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, right? With his well, uh, sometimes, sometimes pedophiles marry uh, the uh, <laughs> objects of their attraction, and I'll just leave it at that. And you can remember on your own, Stacy. You were talking about Amazon. Uh, speaking of your Amazon links, I've got a I've got a link on my blog. I've got a post called "The Theme for Cheers and Other Fundamental Errors of Reason." And this, and it, folks, is our crazy people are dangerous segment. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, and the post is illustrated with a picture of a super handy um uh a super chipper. handy wood chipper wood chipper, wood yeah, chipper. A, a seven horsepower wood chipper that you can buy from Amazon for $619 all you got to do is click the link <laughs> and, and people might say well what would i do with a wood chipper trust me it <clears throat> might come in handy and i think you can soon decide you will need one Okay, and I, I again talking about the theme from Cheers. You know mm -hmm. the song, "Everybody Knows Your Name," right? That song about it's just, and and there was always a lyric in there that bugged me. You want to go where people know people are all, people the, same. Are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. The thing mm -hmm. is, people are not all the same. People are very different. There's different kinds of people. And no one would argue, for example, that Charles Manson and Jonas Salk were all the same. I don't know why Jonas Salk came to mind, but, you know, he's the man who uh, cured polio. Um, it, it developed the polio vaccine. Mm -hmm. Great, you know, philanthropic endeavor, but Dr. Jonas Salk, uh, one of the great okay. men of the 20th century. Well, anyways, that phrase kept coming to mind, and then I saw an, uh, an item that USA Today ran an article attempting to destigmatize pedophilia. Pedophilia is viewed as no. among the most horrifying social issues, but Scientists who study the sexual disorder mm -mm. say it is also among the most misunderstood. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, right. What do I need to understand here? Yeah, yeah. What part of this do I need to understand? Okay. <laughs> and, and, and they they want to talk about it as a disorder. Right, and they they want to use phrases like scientists and experts. See, see, to give you the idea that you don't understand this, you're too stupid. <laughs> Leave this to the experts. The uh -uh. scientists will tell us how to deal with this disorder. Well, what you know, first of all, what kind of person would become huh? expert in pedophilia? Yeah, that doesn't that kind of make your head? It doesn't. That makes you kind of go. Well, you, I, you, know, you, know, you well, find yourself doing that weird turn your head like an owl thing. Well, I mean, okay, I can imagine someone who maybe is a psychiatrist or clinical psychologist who might deal with uh, these people becoming an expert in certain ways, but an expert in the actual practice—that's uh, kind of scary. <sighs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, well they're I, they're not trying to say they're experts in the practice because the second you say that, I think you are like, you know, people start looking for ways to lock you up, set you on fire, uh generally speaking, get get you away from them. Yeah, I mean, um, this is, they're trying to say that they're experts in the psychology. Yes, well, this is one of those things where uh, if you wind up uh, in almost any, I can't imagine a cult, any culture where it's really respected. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hear the boogie woogie piano music in the background, and and so so buy a wood chipper, folks. I think you might figure out a use for one. Uh, <laughs> but crazy people are dangerous, as you said, and and so. But next week. Uh, we shall be back uh, at same time, same place, seven o'clock Saturday night. Uh, and for the I should, other I, podcast. And I should be well enough to actually be. We can do this uh, from your dining room, Stacy. Face to face at yes, the dining and- room table as our usual location. But uh, uh, but here at Stately Hogue Manor, or there at Stately Hogue Manor. Uh, <laughs> We have reached the end of the broadcast, and so so uh, now I'm going to go watch the uh, Buffalo Bills. The Froze Bowl. The, the Froze Bowl in uh, Orchard Park. Uh, so, so let's go, Patriots. Okay, we'll see you all next week. Diana, thanks for coming and being a part of this. Any old time. We'll Talk see, to you soon. See you later, folks. We'll, Talk to you later. All right. Well, brother, call me the brave. I keep going down.